is the limitless Keith Lee. This is Brody King. This is Angel Garza. Will Ospreay. Hornswoggle. Pentagon Junior. The villain, Marty Scow. The Mexican Ray Phoenix. King Ricochet. Concrete Rose, Sunny Kiss. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the busted wide open. 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 Busted wide open podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to BWO Live, coming to you right here from Twitch. This is our patron mailbag, episode number 45. Five. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And welcome to our patron mailbag episode where we do the questions that yes. our patrons send to us. That's right. Our lovely patrons, it, it, they, they give us questions to answer, Nick, and we answer yes. those questions right here on this show. And if you'd like to ask a question of us, you can just head on over to patreon.com forward slash BWO. Sign up for one of our lovely tiers. Help support this show. Help us keep us on the air and doing what we love to do. And then you can also ask questions that will be answered on this show. It's kind of an AMA format. We try to keep it centered on wrestling, but it can be about whatever you want. Yeah. We're just here to let's just let's just chat. Let's just shoot shoot shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Have a little fun. And that's why we have so much fun with it, Nick. We do enjoy this very much. Uh, and we hope you guys enjoy listening to it. So thank you very much for coming on over and hanging out with us here on this little bit of a looser show than our regular shows. Yeah. Uh, our regular shows, of course, if this is the first time you've ever listened to our show ever, ever, ever before, you can get our live shows on Twitch at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 Pacific on Tuesdays and at 12 p.m. Pacific and 3 Eastern on Saturdays. And then, of course, this mailbag show goes up right after that. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have BWO daily every single weekday uh, that goes up usually in the afternoon. And it's just basically a little about yeah, a little 10-minute show. It just gives you all of the daily news you need to get through the day. Uh, so, Nick, here we are. We're sitting on a whole bunch of questions today. Everyone came out of the woodwork to give us questions. Uh, from what you're saying, we have a, a lot, and that's very exciting to me. Yes, absolutely. And, guys, make sure you get into the Discord as well. I'm going to throw a link to it in the chat right nice. now if you're watching live because we got SummerSlam coming up next weekend. Not only SummerSlam, we've got TakeOver 30, SummerSlam, and we're going to have Dynamite on Saturday night, and you're going to have this show. there Next Saturday, next week, this time is going to be insane there's going to be so much stuff going on we're going to have live streams after each of the pay-per-views as well breaking them down for you guys recapping everything that happened during the show so make sure you're following us here uh subs and bits are now available here on the stream as well as our lovely tip jar that was revived as soon as we came back over to twitch so lots of good stuff happening thanks to everybody and i got a shout out jacob uh that other kid you know gifted a sub to dehas 38 nice oh, man Thank you for the gift, and Dehaz, make you. sure uh, you thank Mr. Jacob there for that gifted sub. Uh, also, an anonymous cheerer cheered 100 bits. Mm. I have no idea thank who you, anonymous. that is. Thank you. We oh. are anonymous. We cheer bits. 
Uh, it, it could be Retribution <laughs> trying to infiltrate the leaderboards of our bits cheers. You never know. They have been you trying to take this show down, man. They've been, they they've been, they've been giving us some grief in the last they, couple of weeks. They have. So uh, we're, I'm investigating those. The, the literal tech god is 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 investigating uh, what oh, is causing these Jesus. network issues. With Start us. calling you Nick Gold over here. Yeah, a- Asman Nick. No, Nick Nickman Gold. <laughs> Let's get into the questions, because there's a lot of them today. Strap in, folks. This is going to be a fun all right. show. Uh, we got a lot of fantastic questions from strap all of our patrons today. Strap in and strap today. on. Let's do this. Yep. Uh, starting things like, off what? with the mop man himself, our, the, yes. the innovator of the moment of positivity, Mr. Sean Clark. Hope everyone out there finds themselves doing well, healthy, and happy. A positive attitude won't let you do anything, but I promise it will let you do everything better than a negative mindset. And folks, I'm gonna I'm here Very to true. tell you that is why he is the mop man. <laughs> that is what, that right there. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, he asks, I'm easily entertained, uh, so wrestling has been off the charts for me lately. Even the pacing oh. of WWE has improved slightly, skeptically optimistic. Much love, Great. fellas, and to all the listeners out there. But he says, random question this week. What are your favorite feuds of all time? Ooh. Like all time, like all I mean, time. How Jesus. do you not lead with Stone Cold and Vince McMahon? <sighs> like that's one of the greatest feuds of all it time. Has how to do you be not... Mr. McMahon, right? How... Yeah, right, yeah. Mr. McMahon. How do you not lead with that? It, it has to be. Um, okay, I'm, 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 but I'm guessing he wants less obvious ones. Um, so, um, Daniel Bryan versus Evolution is going to be up there for me. Okay, fair enough. Um. Uh, Jake Macho Man with the Cobra. Um, yeah. I mean, let's see. The entire uh, I, story I, I, of Hogan Macho shit, Man. I can just, I can just, yeah. Well, I hated that actually because they made Hogan the good guy and who's very obviously the bad guy in that scenario. So sure. I was, I was not as much of a fan of that. Um, hmm. Uh, it's going to, I'm just going to have to list them off here. This is one of those I mean, in Facebook where we're just going to list all of them. <laughs> yeah, every single feud yes. that ever happened, ever. Um, damn, I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was a good one, but there's got to be ones that are better than that. Uh, no, 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 no. Like, for instance, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit had an absolutely amazing feud. I've had a couple amazing feuds that were just lights out. And that's one that's popping into my head right now. But I'm like, there's other ones. But I'll throw that one out there since I'm, I'm talking about it. Um, let's see. Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam. Their ongoing feud in ECW was all time. Uh, if, if I'm thinking ECW, I got to think Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome. Um, I don't know that one. I didn't watch a lot oh, of early oh TNA. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't watch a lot of early oh, TNA. Oh, my God. Just two guys trying to kill each other, Nick. Mm. It's all it is. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely amazing. I had a break it's, from uh, wrestling in that sort of early awesome. to mid-2000s. Uh, um, Post-invasion. Uh, post <laughs> Naito Okada, Okada Tanahashi, uh, Suzuki Nagata is just getting going again, so that's on my mind. I mean Suzuki, anybody really? But we got some no- we got some uh, nominations in the chat. Suzuki Liger. Uh, Jacob said Edge Cena. That's a good Edge one. Edge Cena. Oh, Edge Cena's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one where he slaps his dad. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle said Miz and Daniel Bryan. Um, and I I think there were yeah, moments of that that walk. were absolutely epic. I wish they had kept it going. I, I feel mm-hmm. like they cut Miz's legs out from under him when they face turned him and took Michael's, the championship off him. Michael's Taker. Take your pick on which one. It's my match. Uh, of all time. It's my all-time favorite match. 
Mankind Taker with the boiler room. Oh, um, Mankind and Taker had a couple of just absolutely legendary feuds. Yeah. Uh, one culminating in Hell in a Cell. Yep. And also, actually, Mankind and Rock had that led ultimately led up to Rock, to and, Rock Sock. and Sock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. Fantastic one. Um, we could do this all day. <laughs> so many good Triple feuds. H and Stone Cold turned into a good one that came uh, out of nowhere a, a little bit. They had a couple of good ones. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a lot. <laughs> and we really haven't branched. I mean, you said some T, a TNA one or two, but uh, we, we haven't really, even really haven't stepped any, outside any, of. I mean, how can you tag? not say Omega Okada in New Japan? That, that's, that's an amazing one. I don't know uh, if I'd call that a feud. Heart Foundation versus the Rockers. I mean, there's. there's there you go. Jesus, we could. Ugh. So many that were awesome. We could yeah. sit here all day. There's yeah. so many good feuds, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't pick my favorite. The feud, feuds are ones where it's hard to pick my favorites because even though I, you know, I, I think of like, okay, who are my favorite wrestlers? Yeah, all thousand of them. Um, and I'm like, what's one of their feuds? I then go, you go off on like this tangent, and then there's so many other ones that you can think of that kind of spiral out from there, you know, because I, I think Taker, Taker and Michaels, and I think about all the great feuds that Taker had. I'm like, ooh, that one, ooh, that one. Uh, all the great feuds Michaels had. God. Uh, him and Triple H having a feud was fantastic. Oh, that's a good. Kyle dropping Motor City Machine Guns and Beer Money. Oh. Good one. Good one, good fantastic. one. Fantastic. Yep. Thank you very much, Sean. That's, uh, this, this could, we could sit here and do this for an hour. Eddie, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. <laughs> Do not pull Nick's string. <laughs> uh, 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 Jericho and Malenko. Yeah. You know, Jericho and Jericho and Michaels was a great one. Yes, it was. I don't, so many. Yeah. Mm, endless. Thank you, Sean. Uh, next up, we're much. I'm, I'm, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Oh, I was be here all day. To be continued over in Facebook yeah. for sure. Uh, thank you, Sean. Next up, Jacob asks if you could rename any wrestler's finishing move, what would you name it and why? Hmm. First of all, I have to decide who, who's like Rock Bottom comes to mind. But how do you beat Rock Bottom? Like I, I'm always down for a pun finisher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Uh, like Val Venus, the, I, I forget what Val Venus's finisher, finisher was, but I'm sure it was something punny. The towel slap or something? No. I don't, I don't know. The towel um, crack, whatever. But like, he should have had like a, uh, a pile driver and just call it raw dog or something like that. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it should have just been something gross and punny. Hang on. I got to put I, the TV 14 badge back up. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, is that like, I love a, I love a good punny finisher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like Mick Foley just had the mandible claw until it was Mr. Sacco. Like yeah. it didn't have a name. It was just the mandible claw. But that's a terrifying sounding move. You know? Mandible claw. The mandible claw. Yeah. Uh, I never picked up on that before. But my point is, is that like I like a finisher with a good little like little pop of and like a little pun. Sure, but what are some finishing move names that you don't like? That's what I'm trying to think of. I can't think of any. Like, I it, can't think of any that, I'm, I, that I'm, I'm struggling like, there. Well, that one. You got, well, okay. So here's one that's actually been picking up a bit of controversy online thanks to Bruce IC Racism Everywhere Mitchell. 
um, who is very angry about Keith Lee's finisher being called the Big Bang Catastrophe. Because apparently, Bruce Mitchell hears Big Bang Catastrophe. He doesn't hear Dragon Ball Z. He sees BBC, which means something very different if you search the internet. Okay, I'm gonna. Where's my NC17 badge now? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying this was in his head. He he put it out there and made a big stink about it. Yeah. So that's one there. I where, never would have connected those dots, by the way, if it, if if somebody I, hadn't said it. I'm a Dragon Ball Z fan. I wouldn't have either until he came along and was like, "Well, you know what he's saying is." And of course, when you're doing that on a guy named Dominic Dijakovic, and his his initials are double D. And you drop on the BBC on some double D. I mean, just I'm saying you can see where it starts going off the rails a little bit. And maybe you might want to change the name before people start making memes that just get a little bit out of hand. Right. But that's when I wouldn't want to change because, again, I'm a fan of Vegeta and Big Bang Catastrophe is a badass name for a finisher. It's a badass name for a finisher. Yeah. So I'm back to square one thinking about a finisher whose name I don't like. You're, you're going to be mad at me. Okay. You know which one I don't like? Stone Cold Stunner. Rainmaker. Get off my show. Get off. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on Busted Wide Open. We're what done. It, what does it uh, even are, mean? I'm it's a close line. Quitting. He's making it rain. Rain what? He's hitting you so hard that money falls from the ceiling. Does it, have though? You, you, know, you, you, like, you know, making it rain. I understand that, but what does that you have just, to do with a, with a wind-up clothesline? A wind-up lariat. Have you ever seen him hit people so hard that the sweat just goes off their face in like a fine mist? He's making it rain. Okay. See, that's the first time it's ever been explained to me. There you go, buddy. Right. It's raining money. He's hitting you so hard that your sweat flies everywhere. <laughs> okay? Back off my rainmaker. Don't, don't be coming at my rainmaker, man. Don't be coming at my rainmaker. Um, uh, any others uh, you want to throw out there? I just I, I can't think of any uh, finishers that I don't like. The, well... The Meltzer driver makes me roll my eyes because it's just such a meme. Right. Just a meme name for a finisher, and I also think it's a stupid-looking finisher. But, yeah. I mean, cool, you can do a flip. But I guess that is the point. Like, it's just it's like an onion of irony. Right. <laughs> so many layers. <laughs> um, man, paradigm shift, I get that. Uh, no, I just, I'm trying to run down everyone's finisher, and I'm just, I'm not mad at anyone's finisher, really. Woman's Right, I think, is hilarious. That's a great finisher name. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the bank Os- statement? Oscar Lock. Oscar Lock is a little bit on the nose. I, eh, all right. Oscar Lock's a little bit on the nose. I mean, it's got a nice ring to it. Well, when it's they called nice- it, they were originally, it was a, it's, a, it's a backpack lock. So she she gets on her back and then flips the arm around back. But I like that they, they named it in her namesake, a backpack lock in her namesake, Oscar Lock. Eh, okay, I can get yeah. behind that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's. I don't know what I would rename it to. That's, I'm trying to I'm trying to brainstorm something that would be cooler. Um, Kabuki Lock doesn't have the same ring, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Good point. Yeah, I can't think of any more. We we could sit here and just rattle off all of them. Oshine would be great, but I don't think that they would. I don't. No one. No one's gonna. No one's gonna get over. No one's, no one's going to be able to pronounce Moshine regularly. Yeah. So, all right. Well, there you go. We, yeah. we tried. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob. Yeah. Uh, Kyle threw 100 bits in, says he wants to change the name of Rhea's Prism to the Brutality. 
Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, Jacob said Rollins' stomp. It's technically supposed to be called the blackout, Rollins' stomp. Um, but I think that they didn't call it the blackout because there was already the kind of nebulous connections to American History X and the curb stomp curb in that stomp. movie. And the, yeah. And the innate and – the, the, yeah, right, the curb stomp. They stopped calling it the curb stomp because <laughs> – and you can't call it the blackout because if you already have an association with American History X and include Klux Klan and neo-Nazis and then you're going to call something the black anything, you probably shouldn't. So – the stomp it is. At least he's allowed to do it again. Right. <laughs> Let's just be happy about that. Right. Thank you very much, Jacob. Uh, next up, uh, I think Chan. we were torn whether it was Adon Kenna or Chan, Aiden. Kenna Chan can. Oh, Adon, did we ever hear? No, I, and I was hoping he would say, but he didn't. So uh, okay. for, let us know. Is it Aiden or Adon? Uh, mm-hmm. Ortega says, hey, guys. Uh, hope everything is going well. My question for you guys is, who are your all-time favorite wrestling underdogs, all promotions, uh, my personal favorites are Rey Mysterio, Kofi, and Daniel Bryan. Thanks in advance. Mm-hmm. Take care, guys. Thank you, uh, Adon or Aiden. Tommy Dreamer and ECW. Dear God, what a fantastic storyline they built for him in that. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. What a fantastic storyline they built for him in that. It, it's also hard to beat the rise of Daniel Bryan. I, I mean, against all odds, insurmountable. We had the and it was you know, evolution. You've got three of the all-time greats. Coming yeah. at you, like legend, all-time greats coming at you, and you pull it off. That there, I don't know that there, there may never be a bigger underdog story than that. Yeah, that may be one of those that's insurmountable. It's you know why? Because I think a lot of people's history of wrestling, at least if you go back to like the '80s, has been dominated by WWE and WCW, and neither of those companies made their bread and butter off of underdog stories. True. Because their, their, quote, underdogs were supermen who were overpowered or were, were being beaten by guys who were pulling shenanigans. It was Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan beating Andre the Giant. Like, Hulk Hogan's six seven, however yeah. tall he, he's he not was anymore. The underdog, he was the underdog against Andre the Giant, right. which is just poppycock. <laughs> and Hogan, Hogan being the underdog against anybody is... Poppycock. Right. You know who's a great underdog? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Agreed. He always played a good baby face underdog. Um, Bob Backlund, Backlund did a really good job. Get out of my head. That's the know, next one that was coming yeah. out of my mouth. But we're not used to underdog stories by and large. Like yeah. we really rarely see them. Um, you know, and, and they're, they've become a little bit more prevalent now. And I wonder if that has to do with the increase in size disparity in wrestlers where we see more wrestlers of all shapes and sizes now getting opportunities at the higher level. Don't call Adam Cole short or small. It's not just, I'm not saying a damn, that was you calling out Adam Cole. That's fine. He can be mad at me. What's he going to do? Bite my toes? Um, My point is, is that we're seeing more and more uh, underdogs stories these days because you didn't see it in WCW really. Like, DDP was a babyface, but I wouldn't call him an underdog. Um, Goldberg certainly was never an underdog. No. Uh, Sting. Undefeated for most out, of his An career. outsider, but not an underdog. Right. You know, you didn't really have underdog stories so much, at least not on the main part of the card. You know, you, maybe on the, on the undercard, you know. Um, but a lot of times it was, you know, the big raging superhero out to get revenge. Sure. So it's, it's interesting to think about that. And it does narrow down how many true, like 
like Rudy, the movie Rudy, right, with Sean Astin, like true underdog stories where even getting to play on the field was a win for him, right? Yeah. We don't, there's just not a lot of those. No. There's just not a lot of those. My, my, um, and my, it's, my head's it's hard telling me Gargano against Champa a little bit, but that was more yeah, even that's a blood feud. That's, that's yeah. brother versus brother. Daniel Bryan, really, I, I think it's going to be really hard for anyone to come along and tell me a better underdog story and win than that, you know, and, and, and to the, go and to the go ascension through, to it as well. You know, is in, the, in yeah. the heart of the Occupy Wall Street, Occupy Anything movement. So they did Occupy Raw. They read the room that was that worked really well. Had people in the <laughs> ring beyond you know, reading the room. Well, it's like, all right, know, taking advantage of a situation, yes. so to speak, right? Yeah, you know, knowing that people would react to it would it it would get heat, right? Yeah. So the the that and all of the challenges and gauntlets that he had to go through. Um, I, I love that he also said Kofi Kingston here as well. Um, Kofi, but Kofi, and, and this is, I think, how history is going to look at it, too. Kofi was important because he was an African-American champion. Yeah. Aside from that, it was a pale echo of Daniel Bryan's sure. uh, story. They, Ironically, just against rehashing. Daniel Bryan as well. It was, well, that's, and that's part of the irony, but it was a rehash of the Daniel Bryan storyline um, you know, with, some, with some tweaks. A small part of it. I mean, yeah. And then just... It, they showed how little they respected it when they had him lose to Brock in six seconds. Yep. So anyone who comes to me with Kofi, I can't think about the Kofi one without thinking about the, the true ending, which was him just losing it back to Brock like it was nothing and going back to being a part of New Day like it never happened. Yep. Like, I'm sorry, you can't tell me it was Kofi when Daniel Bryan actually, that got stopped because of injury, not because of anything else. Yep. And we'll never know if they would have you know, disrespected Daniel Bryan the same way they disrespected Kofi. We'll never know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. Great um, Ray, Ray Mysterio winning the rumble and getting the title. That's, that's the other one. Yeah. Good. Very good point. Kyle, uh, Ray is the other super, super underdog, but I think, I do think Daniel Bryan edges him out just because of the absolute epicness of WrestleMania 32 belts going through triple H, Randy Orton and Batista on the same night. Like good and Lord, everything he had to go through to get to even that exactly leading up to it. Uh, I think that started even before the Rumble. And then he had to go through the Rumble and the, all of the other stuff all the way leading up to it. It was, it was an amazing... It's one of those that I go back and I, I sort of re-watch. There's a... I forget who makes it. I'll, I'll throw it in the Facebook group or in Discord. There's a great video that somebody made of that sort of... It's a hypercut of like the whole thing, uh, the whole story. I'll find that and um, somebody did a really good job making one of those. I'll find it on YouTube and um, and post it in the group for you guys. You better or else. Yep. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Aiden. Uh, next up, Justin asks, says, "Hey guys, hope you're doing well. This is actually my first time asking a question, but a longtime listener and recently became a patron as well. Thank you, Justin. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Welcome Thanks aboard. A lot, Welcome to yeah. Phenomenal Ones. Hell yeah. We are just a few months shy of AEW Dynamite's one year air date anniversary. Can you believe it? Jesus. What Crazy. are your thoughts on how the program has done overall? Has it exceeded your expectations? Also, what's one thing you feel they're doing really well? What's one thing they can work on? Thanks for all the hard work you guys put into creating the Bust Wide Open universe, and stay freaking phenomenal. Thank Dude. you, Justin. Thank, Thank you. you, Justin. Very awesome. Um, what are so? This is one of those that I was. I want to temper this by saying I had hopes we would do a bonus episode for October 
on the AEW anniversary and kind of this same question yeah, that he's asking. First here. year of AEW how's so it? So I don't wanna I wanna save that for the patrons, but at the same time I wanna I wanna give a brief sort of TLDR, so you know? Yeah. Let's 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 do like a, a wet your appetite for that. Yeah. Um just give like a, a, a response here because I, I do think it's worth looking at. It's also worth considering, I think this is gonna be the one of the major topics of it, that Dynamite has done more shows post-quarantine, post-pandemic uh, than they did before. Yeah. We've had more shows without an audience than we've had with. So They didn't even really get a fair shot no. before they so completely lost audiences. If there's anything they've done well, it's survive and thrive despite not being able to have live crowds, despite having to restructure an entire show. And keep in mind, a lot of the innovations that WWE is now doing to create their shows were started by AEW, whether that being having other wrestlers around the ring, um, shooting from shooting across the ring to the entrance ramp with a hard cam instead of uh, their normal hard cam plays. AEW did all that first. Yep. So if there was anything that AEW did first and foremost in their first year that I have to commend, it's adapt and survive. Because... My God, you're starting up a brand new wrestling organization. You're trying to take on this Goliath in WWE or just have a show that survives against them, right? Just to get something. And less than six months after you start a global pandemic, you can't have a crowd. Like, talk about a trial by fire. Talk about getting handicapped right out, like shot in the kneecap right out of the gate. Here's one of the things I want people to imagine, and I, it, we don't have to. Dis- I don't want to discuss this or like you know. One of, it's it's just one of those sort of rhetorical things to for people to ponder. What if AEW didn't have Daly's Place? What if WWE Oof. didn't have the Performance Center? Uh, and I, and I, we can we can speculate. We'll save all of that stuff. But I mean, just think about that for a second. Right. W- look what it did to Ring of Honor and Impact, and there there were. <sighs> Right, so I mean, th- they luck. There was a little bit of luck here as well that that played into that. Is is kind of what I'm getting at. That it they were they were lucky that the cons also own massive commercial real estate and own the Jaguars, and they've got facilities. It's luck and happenstance that WWE just happened to have this place called the Performance Center that used to be an old shitty warehouse without air conditioning, and then they built this place uh, in right. cooperation with Full Sail. So I imagine if those two things didn't exist, let the, right, ponder on still, that for a few minutes. Imagine if it was still FCW, <laughs> the horror stories of how it was to train in that place. Um, yeah, sure. And and as far as things to work on, I mean, it's easy to call out the women's division. That's kind of the obvious one. Yeah, I feel like they got handicapped with that as well, with a couple of injuries, a couple of hard, a tough breaks. Pardon the pun. Um, but I do feel like they're working on it. Yeah, I feel like they know that's an issue, and they're working on it. So I, I, it would be too obvious for me to call that out. So I'll say something else that I think they need to work on is their booking of monsters and that they have a much easier time. They seem to, to do a lot better booking strong baby faces, strong, powerful baby faces, um, but they eat monsters like popcorn. They bring them in, they build them up, and they have the baby face beat them the first damn time. And then the monster's done. Brody Lee's got to go rebuild Dark Order. Lance Archer disappears virtually from TV. Wardlow goes back to being MJF's flunky. Luchasaurus is just you know a member of of 
Jurassic Express and you know only shows his monster side every once in a while. He even called like, it out this week. He said it took 65 million years, Mom. But I finally got a title shot. I finally shot. got a title shot. Um, he's been there from day one. You know, Jake Hager. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, he's the muscle of inner circle. Can't win a big match. So, you know, can't beat Cody. Can't beat Moxley. So it's, it's, it's a real problem for me that you have a roster of incredible talent and you can't find a better way. Cage, another example. Who can stop the path of Cage? I don't know. Watch his first match because he loses his first big match, his first major match, not, his, not a squash match. A first big match. He stopped. Boom. That's it. Moxley can stop the path of Cage. Just puts him in an arm bar. That's yep. it. Boom. There goes another monster. Where's Cage this week? Don't know. You know. Who can stop the path of Cage? Taz. Throwing a towel in on somebody that should be an insurmountable monster. Yeah. What a, what a horrible way. And it's, it's, again, we gave a whole bunch of examples. Yep. Their, monster, their ways of handling monster heels suck. Yep. Like, just outright suck. Like it's to the point where it's more of a trope than let's stick a, a former star as a manager with a new star. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, my, that's my biggest, aside from the women's division, which, again, it's not a gripe. That's just a concern, and I feel like they're working on it. One thing they're not working on, they're continuing to make mistakes on, is booking monster heels. Yeah. I think strapping Riho was a was a mistake initially. It could have happened later, but I think it set it had a ripple effect that took months to recover from. Mm. And we've been over this ad nauseum. We don't need to repeat it all, but I mean, just had they come out and booked Nyla Rose strong and then let people chase from the beginning, I think it would have made a much better women's division. But we struggled those first three to four months because because Riho. And I I hate to say it, the only reason they didn't strap Nyla at first, I have to think, is because it would have been controversial. Yeah. You know, and it would it would have been that's one of sad. those things where you'd have well, but unfortunately, that's that's the world we live in is strapper second, and you're still going to get backlash, but it wouldn't be as bad as if she was the first champ. Yeah. Then, oh my God, I mean, at least we'd know all the assholes who were watching AEW at that point, right. but it would still be. No, they, they make themselves known today. It's it's. <laughs> Would have been more obvious. So. Uh, Justin, hang tight. Welcome to the patronage. Hang tight for a big bonus episode on that anniversary. Uh, I haven't even talked to Ian about that yet, but that's. I think I want to go ahead and like. I want to stamp that as. Oh God, we dropped again. Retribution. Damn it, retribution. Oh, that was a quick one though. We came right back. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> retribution. Uh, I, so Man, I, I definitely like want to diss on that angle. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to go ahead and stamp that one. Let, let's make that our October bonus episode, Sir Ian Dangerous. Uh, AEW one year in, kind of looking back and where things could be going kind of thing. Okay. Um, I, definitely a lot more I want to say there, but just for the sake of time. Sounds uh, good. Let's move on. Thank you, Justin. Uh, hang tight till October. We'll get a much more deeper dive. Uh, Alex said, uh, uh, Alex Washington next up says, Sup, phenomenal dudes. What's, What's up? up? What's up, bro? What's up, dude? <laughs> I hope you guys and all the listeners are still making it through 2020 okay. I finally <laughs> remembered to get my question in this week. Nice. Uh, if you could bring back three legends to WWE with the sole purpose of working with and getting three younger current talent over, who would be the three legends and three younger talent you would attempt to get over? Keep up the amazing work. I look forward to your shows every week. More entertaining than most things on TV right now. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Thanks Thank you. Thanks very much. Awesome. Um, Dang. Three legends for, as man. So basically the AEW model, what they've been doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, they just happened to snake most of the people that I'd use. <laughs> but I'm just trying to think of like young talent that uh, I would want to put someone with. I mean, I feel like, well, Undertaker I'd put with, I feel like this is already kind of happening behind the scenes. Like Aleister Black is already being coached by Undertaker behind the scenes. Keith Lee's already being coached by Mark Henry behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Those would be two right there that I'd be like, Get get those heads on those those younger talents. We've we've seen shades of of Ron Simmons backstage uh, talking with some of the African American talent. We've got MVP working with Lashley and Shelton Benjamin, who uh, I wouldn't I, call younger talent. I wouldn't <laughs> call them younger talent, 40s. but that's a, that's, uh, a, that's know, an old group right there. <laughs> sure, but it, it's <laughs> like, got it's got shades of that uh, mentorship. Of, of what we're yeah, what we're doing here. It but feels more like MVP's a bunch rest- of buddies who are going on yeah. like one last good run. Is what it feels to me though. Right. The last you know, ride kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't like that MVP wrestles still. I'll admit that. Uh, I wish he was just that manager, the dick heel in a suit kind of I don't figure. know. I like that he's able to step in the ring and just is obviously underpowered compared to Lashley and Shelton sure. Benjamin. I like that dynamic. Sure. Sure. Um, just as far as, oh, man. It's tough because I don't feel like there's a lot of, like, quote-unquote, young talent. In WWE, the young talents in AEW, you got a bunch of early 20-somethings over there. And they've got the old heads working with them over there. WWE, the only really like young talent they have, like Liv Morgan's really young. And I'm trying to think who else is, I mean, Austin Theory, but he's gone. Poof. Um, Rey Mysterio's already working, kind of. He worked for a little bit with Angel and Andrade. Um, and that would be a connection I'd make. But um, aside from that, I'm trying to think of anyone else who's in WWE right now who's really like a young talent. I know Big Show's worked with Braun Strowman before, so I feel yeah, I was, like a I was lot of bring up Braun and yeah, and, maybe, and Henry or Big Show as big because Henry found him. I think. Henry's I mean, but I think what Alex's question is like have have them get over the way that they're doing in, in AEW, as you said, or like work with them in a program. Yeah. You know, and I feel like we've seen that with Ray, but since we haven't really seen that in a program, I'm gonna say Undertaker and Alistair Black. Um, only if Undertaker's willing to put over Alistair Black, which who freaking knows? He didn't want to put over Bray Wyatt, who would have seemed to be in the obvious idea to put the mantle on. Um, I'm looking at the young age of the women's division as well, uh, for the most part, especially over in NXT with Rhea, yeah. Tony, Shotzi. I mean, most of those girls are oh. early, early to mid twenties. Beth Phoenix with Rhea Ripley. Yeah, that'd be good. Beth, I mean, again, you're talking about a, a big jacked chick in Beth Phoenix and a big just jacked chick in Rhea Ripley. You know, I actually just I made a joke on Rhea Ripley's Twitter just a second ago, right between the shows, uh, something along the lines of you know she posted a picture of her just being absolutely ripped. Who? And Beth? I said, uh, uh, no, Rhea. Oh yeah. And I said, uh, I'll, I'll take. A naturally hot China with better taste in music for 500, please, Alex. Because that's basically what you're looking at. Um, and I think Beth Phoenix would be a great person to stick with her or have her in a feud to help get her over. So yeah. there's another one. Yeah. When does Rhea Ripley go for the Intercontinental title? <laughs> Next time Jeff Jarrett wants to get into the ring with the, with the kitchen sink. Right, exactly. Thank you very much, Alex. This is a great question. Bring, keep bringing them. Uh, let's see. Martin's up next. Uh, good day, fellas. In my best Val Venus impression. Hello, ladies. Oh, Lord. 
I hope everyone is well and staying safe. Uh, Nick, I hope the arm is nearly back to 100%. It is. I'm actually throwing a baseball at PT now, guys. It's, it's We're at six months. It was six months ago. Yeah, granted, he is throwing it like Gary Delabate, but that's beside the point. No, we're throwing about 30 to 40% power. Okay. It's it's And I can get about 20 throws before it starts to hurt. So more like so a Dr. Fauci, like just right down to the – no? What? You haven't, you haven't seen Gary Delbati or, or Dr. Fauci throw off the first pitch? No? No. Okay, moving on. No, they all suck. Moving on. They, no, that's the uh, All those celebrities that go out and throw pitches? No, no, it's just fine. Terrible. It's fine. A joke falling uh, on deaf it's, ears. It's doing great, Martin. Thank you very much, and I hope you are as well. This He says, this week hasn't been the best for me. We found a place that was perfect, but we couldn't have, cut, uh, couldn't have it because of our pets. Uh, been in that situation before. I've, I've, been, I've literally in my last apartment. I had to move out because of Dog Ziggler. So I feel you big time on that. We found a place that was perfect, uh, or but on a brighter note, we think we found another one. It's a little further for us to travel for little man's school and our workplaces, but all in all, it will be fine. I want to shout out everyone in the Discord and Facebook group for all the love and support this week and always. Absolutely, Martin. Hey, man, that's awesome. Uh, and thank you, thank you to everyone as well for just for being phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the world of WWE, Retribution is going to be a mixture of underused stars and a couple who were recently released. The leader is going to be someone we didn't see coming at all. Who do you think it will be? <sighs> That's me done for this week. Love you guys all and stay amazeballs. Thank you. Thank man. you, brother. You too, man. And best of luck. All the fingers and toes crossed. I have two um, theories. Okay. One of them, Seamus. Okay, that's... I don't like that one. He did tell the guards to take off this He did, week. and that was where that came from. Huh. That would give him something to do. Yes. Interesting. Here's the other, here's the other more interesting one. He'll turn Alistair Black. Leading an army. Those, those are He my, also has been off TV. He has. And he, he mm. desperately needs repackaging. Or he Just, needs something. Well, to do. Vince desperately wants to repackage him because he hates the black metal thing, which Vince can burn in hell for for all time. Yeah, go to hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> black metal's cool as hell. Yes, Alistair Black is cool as hell. But okay, you bring him back as like the leader of Antifa, and sure. um, you have my attention. Maybe there's two. Maybe there's even like two groups. There's a there's a Raw Retribution and a SmackDown Retribution, and Alistair Black and Sheamus are working in tandem. You know who I know it's not? Tommaso Ciampa. He said he's not going to the main roster. No. Now, granted, he hasn't been on NXT. Um, if he does show up as a leader of Retribution, it, you know, I would be shocked. I did see purple hair poke out of somebody's hoodie. That's Chelsea Green. My immediate thought was Ember Moon there. She's too tall, thin. But it looked like too tall and thin for Ember yeah. Moon, yeah. Yeah. I remember I was rumored, I was speculating that she was the hacker at one point, too. Right. <laughs> we'll never uh, know. <laughs> we'll never know now. Uh, we'll never know who the hacker was. Oh man, I like I like the Alistair Black pick. That makes sense with them repackaging him. Yeah, the Sheamus one makes less sense. Um, but I agree. But at I, with least what he would said, give him it's, something it's, to do. It's, it's going to be someone we did we don't see coming. Right, and I think both of those guys fit that bill. Yeah, yeah. Also, that's a good point, Kyle. Champa wiped his Twitter. He did wipe his Twitter. I really, okay. I said it, no way it's Champa. It's because I don't want it to be Champa. I don't want Champa to get saddled with this. 
I don't know what else, the hell else he's going to do with his yeah. career. But I mean, he's done. He's done with with Gargano and the DIY Fallout. And you kind of got to get away get him away from that entirely. And, really, and he's not relevant at the top of the card anymore. No, there's the NXT is too stacked. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I missed one. Kyle threw a hundred bits in. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, Shotzi, Thanks, he says Shotzi with Lita. Yeah, I said that was a good one. I, I Mickey James well. with Lacey Evans. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if she's as much of a legend. But yeah. Mickey's a legend. Mickey's, we, Mickey's we, a, we Mickey's tried a, her. We've had her with Alexa famer. Bliss already. She's a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure that worked out so well. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. Well, that was just how WWE was booking at the time. Thanks, Naya. Um, yeah, I can't get Alistair Black out of my head now, Nick. I can't get that out of my head. Like they no man is re- ever truly good. No man is no ever, man truly, is ever evil. truly evil. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then there's the one. Thank you, Andy, for reminding me. There's the one that I posted that was a stretch in the Facebook group this week that I stole from another group. Not Dijak. No. And and you may have you may have overlooked this. Um, Somebody posted us a, 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 it's a far stretch, but if you look at, and, and you are the expert on this because you did the breakdown of the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania. There was John a moment Cena? after they got done breaking down the early career of uh, John yeah, Cena where they did the NWO stuff, right? Somebody speculated that he'll turn John Cena comes in to lead retribution. And I went, I, I don't believe it. Only, but only, I would pop only. AF okay. for that. <laughs> Here's how that's the only way that I will accept John Cena being the leader of Retribution is if he and all of Retribution have a match against Braun Strowman and they give Braun Strowman a DDT onto exposed concrete, after which Braun Strowman beats three of them back to back. Only way I'll accept it. Just have the Nexus turned around on John Cena, have the Nexus finish turned around on him. Then, then I'll be in. All right. Okay. <laughs> well said. Thank you very much, Martin. I hope you're doing great, brother. Uh, and good luck. Keep us posted on the, yeah. uh, the, new, the new digs, by the way. Seriously. Best uh, of luck, definitely brother. Definitely looking forward to hearing uh, how, you, how you folks turn out. Uh, Brandon next up says, hey, fellas, hope you're doing well. Thank you, sir. Uh, could you see Orange Cassidy ever holding a title in AEW? Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, Brandon. Yes, a um, tag title that he didn't work for. I could see him figuring out how to get the ring. I don't. They since they put it on MJF, they really don't talk about it anymore. That he brings it up, he kisses it, takes it off. That's it. They don't talk about it anymore. It's like a, it's like the the unspoken thing. Uh, is it that is that supposed to be a title? I don't know. All I know is the idea. Of, I don't think Orange Cassidy will ever hold the big belt. No, that does not seem likely you might be able to find a way to get him to back into the TNT championship once that's done being what it is right now. Sure. But I cannot, I don't, I don't think he needs a title. I don't think his character is one that would look normal carrying a title. Could you put a title on him? Yeah. But I think the best title to put on him would be the tag title because it would just be funny. Because how little the ring into his sunglasses, you know, that would be, hilarious and right in his up his alley you know what it's a ring now but make it into like a fancy pair of his ray-bans and that's the the, now ray-bans are the title 
I don't know. I'm I'm being stupid. If they're if they're not going to do anything with the ring, figure out something else to do. I agree with you on the TNT Championship. I think he could really benefit from the rub he would get from eventually getting a hold of that. I think that's the only one that I speculate. I don't even think the tag team championships, you know, because the best friends are the best friends. I guess as a faction, you could. I don't know. Eh. Eh. Meh. Uh, the uh, I, I think universally no. <laughs> long story short, no. I don't think you should yeah. have the title on. No. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, next up, Yardi says Guten von Eden. I think I, I think I got that right. Good even Heron. Good even Eden. Yep. Uh, I hope everybody is Good having a great well. weekend. Yeah, exactly. This is a question more for Ian. <laughs> I've been playing the Yakuza and Ghost of Tsushima games and recently want to learn and really want to learn Japanese myself but it seems so overwhelming to begin with do you have any advice where to start forget everything you know about language to start <laughs> it's um Yardi I don't know how many languages you already speak I'm assuming you you speak two at least um off the top but um it is compared to every kind of European language, it's pretty much backwards to that. Um, and just the, your perception of how to speak to somebody with it changes entirely. Like communication in Japanese is a very different thing and it just comes from a mindset. Um, so the best thing that you can do is start with some like, like a basic course, like a Duolingo course where it teaches you the basic fundamentals. But man, there's nothing that's going to teach you Japanese better than conversation. Because and so with someone who knows the language, but also the culture and knows how to communicate in it, and who is open slang to slang and things like that. Not even slang. Like to, it's, it's, it's actually, um, it has to do with um, levels of respect and social, um, yeah. social levels. Um, whether you're speaking to someone in a friendly way, when to when to use honorifics, um, it's it's actually very delicate and it's very subtle when you can say certain things based on the social situation. Yeah. So being with someone who's understanding of that and someone who can kind of teach you the ropes of that while also learning this absolutely different language. Uh, is going to be essential. And the other thing is, you know, there's a difference between speaking it and writing it. And writing it is a whole different beast as well because you've got three alphabets to learn, um, one of which has tens of thousands of characters and the other two which have 47, I think 47, 48, 40, somewhere on their characters. Um, so it's a bear to learn to write as well. Um, but if you want to, one little slash can change the entire meaning of the, of uh, the whether word. you, you can literally, whether you put a little like click on the end of, of, of a line or not changes yeah. the entire letter. Um, so starting with something like Duolingo to get like the basics, uh, is a good way to start. But if you can find a resource where there's a conversational learning, um, spe specifically tailored to like social interactions and, and when to say things certain ways, that would, that's going to be a huge help if you actually want to learn to communicate with Japanese people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, this is, as always, thank you for being amazing and making my work days that more fun. Hell yeah. Also, yeah, watch I lots of anime. Yes. And never, no, no dub, never dub. Yeah. Sub, not dub. 
Sub, not dub, yeah. I'm even, hey, I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima with the, with the subs on uh, and with Japanese language, even though they did the uh, English language uh, mouth movements, right? They did the mouth movements to English language, so there's all the time, it's like watching a dub. I'm getting both subs and dubs in my game. Wow. That's impressive. <sighs> That's a lot of work. Wow. Okay. I can't wait to get started playing that game. I'm just, I'm trying to finish Last of Us 2, and I, I'm trying to do one at a time. <laughs> And I just don't have dedicated hours on hours. Yeah, to I I didn't have invest. I didn't have enough mental capacity to get through another walking simulator after uh, after Death Stranding. So sorry, Last of Us. Yeah, yeah, I never finished Death Stranding either. There you go. Oh, thank you. But Yardy. yeah, Yardy, and Yardy, let me know if that helps at all, or if you need more pointers or anything. Like I, I'm very curious. Dip your toes in, and you'll see what I mean. It's it's you have to reverse your brain to speak Japanese. It's wild. Yeah. So. Next up, Dubstep Rob yeah. is in the house. He says, hello, BWO Nation. I'm always intrigued by the idea of the fans deciding what type slash style of match a pair of wrestlers will have. Uh, I also realize that the fans aren't really deciding. But if they did, who are the top couple of wrestlers you think could pull it off? Who are the guys or gals who could walk into the ring not knowing what style or stipulation they were wrestling, call it on the fly, and pull it off for the fans? Right out of the gate, Brian Danielson is my first pick. Conversely, which wrestlers couldn't do it at all and would pra- produce a train wreck of a match? Have a wonderful week, Dubstep Rob. Let's, I mean, let's look at the the top echelon of, of wrestlers today, like the people that we would consider the goats or like at the top of their respective companies. Sure. Most of the people at the top, most of them, could probably do this. Yeah. Um, with the exception of the WWE. Braun Strowman couldn't do this. No. No. He could, he could go out and work a, a certain kinds of matches – but if you go out there and send him out there and like all of a sudden he's going to work a technical mat match with Timothy Thatcher, there's no way. Timothy Thatcher's going to be running the entire match. Braun's just going to be sitting there. I don't he's know also, that I've ever seen Braun even do a suplex. He's um, also not really – I mean, Braun could go out there and work in a lucha match. Like if he and Rey Mysterio – yeah. But Or just – yeah, as a base. Like he'd just be sitting there and, you know, okay, I'm going to work the monster. You're the lucha guy. All right, cool. But he could, definitely couldn't do any match. Um but, like, top echelon guys could go out and do anything. You know, you look at New Japan, those guys are trained to be able to do any match. Okay, you know, one of the things that made Okada Okada is his ability to work with anybody. He can go out there and put on a five-star match with a brawler like Tomohiro Ishii. He can get technical with a guy like Zack Sabre Jr. He can go out there and have his, sh- his star shine brighter than, than a Hiroshi Tanahashi. He can go out there and beat the absolute shit out of each other with Shibata, um, you know, he can do anything. Um, and I would argue that some of the big guys, like the, the top guys in WWE, like a Seth Rollins, could do, like Seth Rollins could have a good match with anybody, right? Um, and I think that, like, when you, when you think of who could go out there and call it on the fly, it would be the people that you think, oh, they could have a good match with anybody because that's literally, that's part of, what makes them have a good match with anybody is being able to call on the fly and do any style. You know, um, I feel like uh, Samoa Joe is another one who could have a good match with anybody. Kurt Angle could have a good match with anybody. And you know, he's a crazy, he's a, he's a dark horse one. If he's motivated, Brock Lesnar can have a good match with anybody. That's true. So that's true. Wow. Except don't try to do shooting star presses. Old school Undertaker. Could do like like back in the day, Undertaker could have a good match with anybody. Yeah. So I think there's I think there's more people who could do that than 
you might initially expect because so much of wrestling is they might get mad if I say improv, but so much of it is called on the fly or they go out and there's feel it out. Like yeah. it's a lot more than you'd think. They well, when don't we say chemistry and things like that. That's it's kind of that are yeah. they fluid enough to call things like that. Not everyone writes out every move in a match the way that Macho Man used to, right? Like it's famously the match against Ricky Steamboat was was written out down to the move at WrestleMania three. Mm. But not everyone does that. There's a lot of people who are like, I, I, I love the story that uh, Rusev told recently about why he had a black eye on the day of his wedding. And because they were on some European tour and he and Cesaro were feuding and they would just literally go out there and call their matches. Like, hey, let's try out some moves in these matches. Let's go out there, call it in the fly. Let's just, let's figure out what match we're going to have when we get out there. And it's just one night they had a miscommunication and Rusev caught a, I think it was an elbow to the eye or maybe it was a knee. But, um, and of course, it was right. He knew the second that it happened. He looked over at Lana, and Lana's like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Right. The night before our wedding. Um, but uh, Cesaro is another one. And, and I think a lot of these wrestlers, we don't understand how much they go out there and just like, Let's see what kind of match we have on, on a regular basis. Like, it's not even about waiting for the, you know, like a fans to say, Tonight we're going to have a ladder match. Tonight we're going to have a cage match. Tonight we're going to have an uh, Iron Man match. You know, Dolph Ziggler. Go out there. You just tell him what you want him to do. I'll nominate Cena too. While, while yeah. he is known for the five moves of doom and super seeing, I, I do feel like he had he could go out there, yeah, and call a good match with just about anybody. The only difference, the only, the only the, problem with Cena, the only, yes, agreed. The only problem with Cena is we'd hear every call he made for the match. <laughs> sure, we'd we'd know everything he was going to do because he would call it out. All right, go for an armbar. All right, come on, Daniel, come on. Come on, let's go. Hit me. Irish whip. Oh, Kyle said Cena in the chat, too. Cena can have a good match with anyone. It's amazing how much people praise working with Cena and him calling the match. Yeah. Um, He just does it too loudly. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so Finn Balor. People in the nosebleed can hear the next move. Finn Balor, who has been all over the world and wrestled freaking everybody, uh, said that Roman Reigns is one of the smoothest guys he's ever worked with. Wow! Like his first match with Roman, he, he I remember him on. Was it Edging Christian's podcast? I think it was Edging Christian's podcast where he was putting over Roman, just being like, "Dude, he's so easy to work with." He's like, he's one of the smoothest guys I've ever worked with. So, yeah. I think there's a lot of talent. We're sitting right out there in the open. It's just they so rarely, like we so rarely get the impression that they're just calling it on the fly, yeah. and that speaks to their talent. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, he snuck another one in here. Oh, did he now? He did. He says, uh, shameless plug for BWO merch. Nick Guard 1 arrived the other day with my yeah. load of BWO merch. Super soft, super wearable. Totally nice. cool. I'm loving it. Uh, FYI, for you Husky boys out there, he did air quotes, uh, if you are debating about XL or double XL, go bigger. I did, and it fits perfect. I'm a tweener. As they say, mm-hmm. friendly mm-hmm. neighborhood dubstep, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, mm. And, and I'm, I'm nice. glad you're loving the merch. I'm glad it's good quality stuff. That that Stream Element store was was a bit new, but I think they're using a really good store on the back end uh, to manufacture the stuff for them and print them. So good good news that that's coming out. Uh, next up, Edward Edward Kirkland asks, "Hey guys, hope all is well. My question is, how would you fantasy book Raw Underground for the next three or so months? What outcomes would you like to see?" Personally, I wouldn't mind some sort of title associated with it, but maybe Ding. not necessarily a belt. What say you? Totally agreed. 
yeah. need a title, need something to fight for, need stakes beyond just let's beat each other up. Um, whether that's a cash prize, whether that's a trophy, uh, a belt, a ring, I don't care. There needs to be something to be fighting for back there besides just let's beat people up. Otherwise, Shane running around going, yeah, 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 that's enough. That needs to stop. That needs to stop. How would I book it? Who's a prize fighter in WWE? Who's someone who's since they've... Kevin Owens. Yeah, bingo. Who's since they've been coming out, taping up their wrists, fight Owens fight. Kevin Owens should be the first champ of Raw Underground. Hard yep. stop. He's um, got nothing he's, to do right now. And he's got... He's, an, he's an, intermixed with Randy a little bit, but that's it. And the final match versus Daba Kato is an absolute slugfest. And he ultimately has to go low on Daba Kato, calling back to Daba Kato going over and, and squashing the guy's balls on last week's show. Kevin Owens goes over Dabakato, wins the first inter- uh, inaugural Raw Underground title, uh, and then all- then he feuds with the Hurt Business, who are trying to take over Raw Underground, and he's the he's the babyface champ who just wants to fight, and they're the evil like mafia bookers, whatever you want to call it, like in the movie. They're rigging the books and they're all rig- that stuff. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to. Okay, then this now remember, somewhere around five minutes, you go down, and Kevin's like, I don't go down except yeah. on my wife. And that's the, you know, and then we just go okay. from there. Okay. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's okay. A, TV 14. We can do what we want. Well, okay. So bottom line is, to answer your question, Ed, uh, Kevin, o- yeah, get a belt in there, get a championship, don't care what it is, hardcore title, whatever. Um, and then just have, like, have someone like, even if it's not Kevin Owens. I would want more of somebody like sitting up on a throne, and, and this is what. So this might be come out a little, but a little bit out of left field. I could see Corbin. I could see a King Corbin no! sitting up on uh, hey! on an elevated thing, and just sort of like pointing. Right. I, I, I could see somebody just for for entertainment. Why would you mention King Corbin and Raw Underground in the same sentence? Get out of here. Maybe he's it's not. Raw for one thing. Golden Glo- fine. What? A- Who cares about the brand split anymore? Obviously, WWE <laughs> doesn't. We had a three-way battle ro- anyway, and Oscar's fighting for both titles. Brand split, my ass. So, yeah, throw Corbin in there. To have him be more of a of a Shang Tsung, you know, something Shao like Khan. that. Shao where Khan. He- Shang Tsung was first Mortal Kombat. Shao Kahn was the big or Shao Kahn, sure, yeah. or whoever. Be somebody that's calling the shots that's not down there on a microphone. Mil Muertes in Lucha Underground Season 2. Sure. Sure. Something like... Uh, uh, or even better, a um, uh, Cuerto. Somebody that's like an... That's kind of what Shane is trying to do right now, just really obnoxiously. Sure. But, but he, he's way over the top. Yeah, agreed. I, so I pull- think if you had some sort of Antonio Cueto figure back there... Dario Cueto, not Antonio. Antonio was the dad, and he I, was I, terrible. Sorry. Season four. I uh, know. Anyway, bottom line, I agree with you. Yeah. Rain Shane in, maybe have some sort of like final boss figure around there or something. Maybe that's what they do with Davicato. They put him on a throne. Got to beat him. He's Goro. Yep. You know. Not mad at that. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Oh, I like that. The more I think about it. Mm. Thank you, Edward. Uh, next up, Billy asks, my guys, I'm sure you're exhausted of the Mount Rushmore talk, so let's put a spin on it. What's your Rushmore of matches or your favorite match type? Oh. Before, you're going to make me do a... Before out, I read his... But I don't want to read his until we do ours. Okay. Because I feel like that'll put it in my head. 
and I won't be able to think about anything. Uh, okay, so Mount Rushmore. Oh, so your Mount Rushmore your... of matches or your favorite match type? Okay. Uh, I'm definitely going uh, hardcore deathmatch, TLC matches. Can I say ladder matches too? Yeah, of course. What else? What's, what would be my fourth one? Struggling because there's so much overlap there between all three of those. Come on, Nick. No holds barred. No holds barred, Nick. You won't see him coming. You don't know. You don't know, Nick. You don't know where he'll be hiding. Thunder and lightning outside as soon as I did that. That was kind of creepy. It's like Debo knows. Debo knows. Tony wow, Lister's coming. That one shook the house. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Tony Lister's yeah. outside shaking your house. In case we go dark, ah, heads uh, up. <laughs> uh, all hell's breaking loose outside. Uh, again, in North Carolina. <laughs> Meanwhile, here, um, rolling blackouts. Right. You're right. Fantastic. Yay. 20 for the win. Maybe maybe Braun is the harbinger of the apocalypse. Maybe. Know. Maybe. Um, uh, I actually really like gauntlet matches. I really like when there is sort of somebody fighting upwards, getting through multiple tiers of people, and the tiers get, keep getting more and more difficult. Um, I, I really like that style. Not a rumble. I don't, I don't particularly love rumbles or battle royals. I do. Um, <laughs> I, but, and they, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on my all-time four, but I, I, as, a, as a fourth and final one, I'll put a gauntlet match in there. Okay. I typically, and it's funny, I'm the opposite. I hate gauntlet matches because it always makes everyone who loses in the gauntlet look like crap. It's really hard to book a gauntlet so that everyone looks good. Yeah. Um, whereas Rumbles... It's because Nick didn't book it. Okay. okay. Uh, Rumbles, I feel like when they're, when they're good, they're the best. I love Rumbles. I actually, if, I, if I'm just bored and I want to put something on, I'll put on a Royal Rumble. The problem is, a lot of times, especially in WWE, Royal Rumbles are booked like crap. If you go back and watch the first all-in that rumble there was fantastic. They booked that yeah, to perfection. That buy-in, uh, beautiful. They called it uh, a really good rumble. A really good uh, battle royale is an absolutely fantastic match. So I got to throw that on there. I've got to throw on the ladder matches. Of course, everyone knows I'm a ladder match fanatic. I love me a good ladder match. Um, any ladder match that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn ever did. Uh, anything involving Jeff Hardy in a ladder, <laughs> right? Pretty much is going to be on there. Um, anything. Uh, oh god what was the three way ladder match it was the Bucks Red Dragon oh no Bucks Red Dragon and wasn't Evil Uno Stu Grayson at the time was it I'm spacing now um, hmm. bottom line is um, yeah I think it, no that's what it was it, was, it was, wasn't Red Dragon it was Future Shock it was Adam Cole with Kyle O'Reilly and then Super Smash Brothers which is Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, and uh, Young Bucks, ladder match. OG, Three Mendes, PWG. That's got to be mm. on there. But um, always down for a good ladder match. Hell in a Cell has to be on there. Even though there's been more crap Hell in a Cells than good Hell in a Cells, there's just something about, especially the old, before the red, the red uh, cell, before they were just like, it'll change your career forever, and they just went over the top with it. Man. Those first few Hell in a Cells, mm, dude, they were scary. 
they were so good. I still have such fond memories of those. Um, and then um, as a fourth one, <sighs> stipulation. See, I, now I'm getting stumped. I was making fun of you for getting stumped. And my fourth one, I'm like, man, where do I go from here? I'm going to have to go um, some form of death match as well because I do love when things get a little gnarly. You know, like when you, when you get to finally get to that point that you have to break out the barbed wire and the thumbtacks and the glass tubes and you got to just hurt your opponent. Not like death match for death match's sake, but like feud ending death match. Hell of war match, three stages of hell, like all that. Yeah. If you're getting power bombed off of a rider truck through a pallet of light tubes... That's that, my kind of match. Oh, really? See, that's when you have you gotten a little bit silly. Like, well, I'm, well I'm, sure. Wait, let's I'm, replace the ropes with barbed wire. <laughs> now sure. we're talking. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, like an Onita match, and like yeah, in Japan, something. Right. right. <laughs> exploding, exploding barbed wire death match. Yeah. Thumbtack, yeah. thumbtacks. A thumbtack spot will never not be uncomfortable, and I love that about it. Exactly. Exactly. I haven't been, dude. Honestly, like I haven't been made as uncomfortable by a thumbtack spot as I was at Darby Allen ollieing off of Ricky Starks's back. And that then he was, rolled through him. Ah, uh, uh, Randy Orton Trying versus to get Mick out of the Foley. way out of the ring. Randy Orton versus Mick Foley. When Randy Orton goes down those tacks, that expression on his face when he pops up is like, "Yep, that's yep," because he's wearing nothing but little like you know boy shorts there. Not even boy shorts. Little just little tiny trunks. The speedo trunks. Yeah, nothing. He's naked going down those tacks. Ah! <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <sighs> All right, so his, I, I want to read his out. He says he's got to go with Jericho versus Michael's ladder match at No Mercy 08. Boom, great one. <laughs> No-brainer. Called out that feud earlier, actually. That's a great feud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Joe Daniels and Styles are un- at Unbreakable oh, 05. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when those dance. three were going at each other in a, uh, in TNA mm, was fantastic. A good three way dance is always really fun, man. Yeah. Ooh. I just don't like titles being decided with triple threats. That's my hang up on them. Yeah, I, I know. I love triple threat matches though. Um, Brock versus Angle at Mania 19. Even with the botch finish. Even with the finish. No. Uh, oh. Are you thinking with Goldberg? Was which one no, did you do the shooting star press on? That's Brock Angle 19. That was Angle. Okay. Yeah. Why did I think that was Goldberg? I don't know. Uh, he says maybe TLC two is go to definitive matches. TLC um, all time. Yeah, TLC two is all time. It, it's it's not even the all time best TLC. It's like one of the all time like top five. It's up there. Like <laughs> it's so insane. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. Man. I'm mm. not. I'm mad at him. Nope. Thank you, Billy. That was a good one. Uh, next up, Will James. We got to go faster a little bit here. We're we got a lot a long <laughs> way to go. Uh, Will James, hope you both are doing well. Uh, so Kevin Dunn's camera swaps make me as nauseous as anyone, but I realized yep. that my first ever WWE show at TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series, where I was six rows back, most of the workers are super safe and don't connect much with their strikes and such. So I really do think the quick angle changes protect the workers from the TV perspective. But how might each of you do some subtle or not-so-subtle changes to avoid people losing their lunch Jesus. while still protecting the workers? Did you see Phoenix just absolutely missing this week on Dark, like yeah. just hitting his own arm? The wor- Phoenix is one of the best wrestlers in the world. That was the, that was, as people give uh, the Dark Order crap for those awful stomps when they jumped the Young Bucks last December. Man, that oof. That was about why, like, you had time to edit that show. Why didn't you find a different angle of that? Oh, yeah. that was bad. Um, but no, he here's the thing, Will is is 
you make a good point. Kevin Dunn is trying to protect the workers and allow them to have a softer working environment. Yep. Um, I don't mind him cutting on the impact. I mind the shaky. I mind the billion cuts to try to make it like an action movie. That's the stuff that makes me nuts. Yeah. Um, if you want to cut for impact, okay, fine. It will actually lengthen your wrestlers' careers. With you know, allow them to use just working punches, and don't they don't have to be that stiff? I prefer a stiffer match myself. Same. But you know, if if you if you want to protect your workers a little bit, fine. You cut on the impact to try to, you know, ma- make it safer. It's just all the other, as Keith Lee would say, it's all that extra bullshit. It's the swooping camera stuff. It's the cutting t- over and o- like super quickly over and over and over again. That woman's uh, battle royale this week was nearly unwatchable. Yeah, I couldn't tell what the hell I was looking at. Um. And it's more that. It's the rapidity of the cuts and it's the camera wins. My God, when they used to shake the camera when the fighting would happen. Yeah, Paul I, Greengrass, I, born, I, born style. God, <laughs> they've lessened it now. There was a while there in like between 2011 and 2014 where it was just egregious. Yeah. Like I, want, I wanted to go grab my TV. Um. <laughs> I actually remember they used to do like stabilization videos of it where they would stabilize it and it just looked terrible. So I'm like, yeah. there's an argument for why they're shaking it, but find a, find something else. Yeah, do, do um, something different. <laughs> do something there, else. There's video out there of them shooting the Bourne movies with the steady cams, and Paul Greengrass as a director is down there hitting the, the counterweight on the bottom to make the camera shake. Yeah. It just That's the kind of stuff His that just... His stuntman hated him. Yeah. Because they, they actually, like Matt Damon went out there and was actually kicking real ass and you had these stunt guys out there doing really badass things. Couldn't tell. Nope. Can't tell. Can't tell. They're actually kicking the crap out of each other. Let me. Let me. Because it was no, just no like this the can. whole time. <laughs> I wish it wasn't. I wish it was only that. Mm. Nick having an earthquake at his place. San- um, sanity. Well, we did last week. Um, sanity um, was probably the the most egregious example of this, in my opinion. All of the the crazy zoom ins well, and all this. But they stuff could. Do, they figured out how to do it in NXT. In NXT, the camera ops down there did it in a way that it looked cool. Yeah. The main roster, they're just kind of like swooping it back and forth like they didn't care. Like, oh, yeah, we're just, I, they're supposed to do something like this. I don't know what they want from me. They, they didn't, the camera operators on the main roster apparently didn't understand in, in their minds. They weren't, they weren't instructed in a way that they understood what they were trying to show us. So we're critiquing a lot. How might, how might each of us do some subtle or not so subtle changes to avoid people losing their lunch while still protecting? What would you I, change? Again, less hard shaking, less cuts. Yeah. Find, find angles that are stronger you can work from. And if you need to cut on the impact to sit, protect your workers, that's fine. Try to minimize it. Try to get angles where you're behind the person getting struck. If you see a, a hit coming, like with Lacey's, um, Lacey's Woman's Right, they, they tend to actually do a pretty good job. This week they did too, getting behind the person who's about to take the move. Yeah. So that they come, it's, it's basically like, um, like remember when uh, Arnold was on? And he backhanded Triple H, yeah. and the camera guy was in the completely wrong position because Arnold was doing a film working punch, which is one where you just basically go across their face, and because of the camera angle um, and the, the distance distortion, it looks like you're coming across their face. But if you shoot it from the side, the way that they did on that, you could see there's like a two foot gap between Arnold's arm and Triple H's face. Um, get behind them, and then that way you don't see the woman's right just completely missing Naomi and her selling it, yeah. right? So. 
it's about angles. It's about knowing having your guys be in the right place for certain things. The camera operators knowing where they should be. Um, wrestlers knowing how to cheat themselves to the camera. Um, knowing which camera is on at any given time. Less cuts will help with that if you're not flipping back, back and forth between cameras. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, of synergy between the workers and the camera operators and the director, whoever's calling the cameras up in the, up in the truck. Um, but there's definitely a way to do it, and it, you don't have to cut as freaking much. Yeah. You don't have to shake your camera as damn much. No, exactly. Uh, and, and the only other thing I would add is allow people that want to to work a little stiffer. You know, uh, well, look, look at New Japan where they're throwing at, like serious elbows into each other's I necks think you, and stuff, right? You already do have some people that like to work stiff. Seamus sure. was beating the absolute piss out of Chad Gable this week. <laughs> he always goes out there and works stiff. He beats the crap out of people. Yeah. This is what Seamus does. Uh, Abraham snuck in here and dropped 500 bits on Ooh. us. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you, Abraham. Welcome Appreciate back from the that. beach, I think, right? Yeah, you finished your road trip, I guess. Nice. Nice. All right, we got to cook. Josh, uh, next, thank you, Will. Next up, Josh asks, uh, short and sweet this week, there's a lot of talk about who should jump ship from company to company. Who are some wrestlers you think should never leave their current company? Thanks for being awesome, fellas. Keep Alex on being the GOAT podcast. <laughs> Alex Silver should never leave AEW. He's getting more time and work over there than he's ever going to get anywhere else. Um, who else? Should, uh, basically, anyone who's undersized in AEW, stay there. You're going to get something to do. If you can just do some character work, you'll be fine. Don't go to WWE. <laughs> um, who else should never leave their company? Kazuchika Okada should never Okada. leave. Okada. Yeah, get Okada out of my head. Sorry. It's like we've been doing this for three years or uh, something. It's like you know? that. Yeah. Um, who else should never leave their company? I don't know. There's a lot of people in, in WWE that I, I'm imagining other places. I'm like, no, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I'm trying to think of someone in WWE who should never leave WWE. Braun Strowman. I thought Braun Strowman, but they could do a lot with a PC-trained monster like him over in AEW. I mean, he could come over and within the first couple of matches lose to John Moxley. It'd be fantastic, you know. And then he, we could just never see him on TV again, like they do with monsters over there. Um, Abraham says Seth I'm Rollins. I would love to see Seth Rollins go yeah. work modern New Japan. One of the first people I would I love thought to see of. him over there. Seth, anywhere else, I would love to see him work with everyone yeah. else out there. I know he's drank so much WWE Kool-Aid that he's a company man. He probably never will. But he's kind of been through all of those motions now, and it's getting a little long in the tooth, and I'm wondering what else has he got up his sleeve, or yeah. can he go somewhere else and sort of reinvent? <sighs> yeah, pretty much. Know. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, anyone who should... Oh, there's a lot of women who should leave WWE. Because there's opportunity to make a really big division in AEW. And someone who's, you know, I, I, they may have plans for her, they may not. Naomi, mm. you know, she's never going to leave because of the Usos connection. But, right. you know, if, if Naomi isn't getting what she wants in WWE, maybe look at AEW. She could go over there and be an absolutely enormous top-of-the-card star. Yep. Um, pretty much any w, WWE woman who's being featured on TV right now, even all the way down to NXT, could go over to AEW and be a star right now. Anybody. Um, Mia Yim could go to AEW and be the face of the division. She could be atop the, of the division right now. That's how, that's how much they need women over there right now. And I'm not, no, no disrespect to Mia Yim, um, 
because she's that she's almost doing she's doing very little in NXT, right? She's not going to she's never going to be a, I don't think a champion in WWE. She could be a champion in AEW because Tomorrow. she is that good. It's just yeah. that stacked over in WWE. Right. Um so yeah, there's I, I think there's a lot of WWE women I would send over to AEW or Impact. You know, you look at what happened with Diana Parazzo. Out for a month and boom, she's over in, in Impact becoming the champ. So yeah. that's a good one. There you go. That's a good one. Thank you very much, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Uh, next up, Esme, the booby champ, says, Good evening, pod men. What's up, Esme? Listen, we will not be making uh, Donald Sutherland pod people references. Why not? By, by calling us pod men. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm for the original. I'm for the original 50s one, if you really want to. Okay, all right. Donald Thank Sutherland you. one. All right. Uh, I haven't been around lately due to work. But I hope the Twitch and transition is going well. It is. Thank you. It's, I'm, I'm, Thank you. I'm loving it. Boo work. Boo. Yeah. Boo I'm sure you guys work. will knock it out of the park. There was a question of Thank the top five best looking dudes in wrestling the other week. But let's yes. talk about the most gorgeous that's women a, of wrestling. That's a fun question. <laughs> let's do this. Give me your top five most gorgeous women of wrestling. Oh, geez. This um, is, uh, I feel so uncomfortable doing this. Here's the problem. Just close your door so your girlfriend isn't here. Um, oh, she, no, she's a bigger fan of most of them than I am. That's not the <laughs> issue. Here's the problem: is that I there there were more women that were quote unquote classically uh, gorgeous. If you get back to the divas era, and now we're getting more like women athletes or like the TNA knockouts. Uh, yeah, two thousands. You know. Yeah, exactly. But you know. A lot of like the kind of like the stripper look is not really my thing. That's just how I'm yeah. built. Yeah. Um, so luckily I wouldn't I wouldn't figure those in. But the fact that we're leaving out like that sort of thing is just in case you're wondering why we didn't pick your favorite diva. That's just I'm throwing that out there right away. Is the divas didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, Kelly Kelly. All right, great. Can't wrestle for crap. Fine to look at, but about as interesting to me as a cardboard cutout. Right. So, um, so Nick, you're uncomfortable about this. Why are you uncomfortable? Uh, it's unfair. I, I don't like judging women on their looks. I don't, we I, judged I don't, men on their looks last week. Did we? Y yeah, we did a we did a a whole thing on who's the sexiest man. Yeah, I mean, it's, who, it's, who would it's, we? It's, her, it's Hiroshi Tanahashi. Who would we snuggle late at night? <sighs> I mean, how do I not say Tony Storm? <laughs> Or Anna J. Either, say Anna, either Anna of your Jay, two wives. Right? Yeah, we know right. your predilections. Here we my, go. Here we my, go. My my kayfabe wrestling <laughs> wives. Um, obviously, obviously, everyone knows I'm a Mark for Stacy Keebler. That was always my my weakness back in the day. Yeah, was, I'm, I'm a Maurice guy too. It really? Doesn't. Yeah. All right. Yep. Fair enough. Um, I was a Lita guy way back in the day, like like pre pre hooking up with Matt Hardy. Well, no, I guess around the time pre-Hurricane with Edge, Lita, like before she got all strippery and weird, um, like OG Lita, moon salts and thongs sticking out the top of the camo pants. The that whale, was whale tail, whale tail Lita. Yeah, which was the, <laughs> it was the ninety before any of you judged. That was a very nineties thing. Okay, yeah, it was. All right, and it was baggy baggy Jinko jeans with glorious. the with the thong hanging out. Ugh, yep. ugh, ugh, my my nineties post pubescent. <laughs> college self is just like oh. and Stacy Keebler with 14 foot legs yeah coming out there in, in Daisy Dukes forget about it um, um so there's a couple 
I'm not going to lie. I, I had a crush on Becky Lynch from all the way back in NXT, too. But that's, you know, girl next door. Never my, never my thing. No? No. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the, one, the, the current ones. I've definitely had the crushes over the years, right? It's the ones yeah. that you can hearken back to. A lot of people had a thing, big thing for Trish, Trish Stratus. Um, eh, never did it for me. Never Trish. really. I mean, she's gorgeous. I'm not going to yeah. take anything away from her. But are, are we? Her are and we Tori saying? Wilson. Her and Tori Wilson are both, I think, more attractive now. Yeah. Now Tori, now we can have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you mentioned TNA. Gail Kim. I always thought was gorgeous. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of. Was it Velvet? Um, was it Velvet Sky? Sky? Yeah. I, I don't remember all of their names, unfortunately. I apologize, ladies. Um, everyone in the, in the chat is saying uh, Shotzi. And I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not looking at Shotzi and going, she's gorgeous. I have a crush on her. But damn, I want to go sling some beers with that chick. Yeah. I want to go. I, seriously, I want to go play some pool, sling some beers, and get into trouble with that chick. She seems yeah. like she'd be fun as hell to hang out with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only if she brings the helmet. Naturally. Yeah. Naturally. Can't leave that around anymore. I want to I wanna do a beer bong out of her horned helmet. <laughs> oh, man. The, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. The only, the only uh, female wrestler I've ever partied with was China. Uh, did, a, did a body shot off of China. That was an interesting night. Wow. Stories for, stories for another time. We're, uh, we're live. <laughs> <laughs> we're live, pal. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'll just, I'll just end this by saying, and, uh, uh, if there was, if there was a female wrestler that I, that I thought was uh, gorgeous, we actually have one on the show. Uh, JB is a, is a gorgeous female wrestler. Aww. I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't say that, that she was an absolutely stunning and gorgeous female wrestler that, uh, you know, a little soft spot for. Oh man. Jess dropping the bits to say she dropped 300 bits to say Oscar and a hundred bits for Rhea Ripley. Oscar seems like she'd be badass to hang out with too. Like, what an interesting person. I actually really enjoy watching her YouTube. There was a period where she was, like, She's camping in her backyard. Yeah. And I was fascinated. by like, what, is this what you do with your free time? This is amazing. <laughs> the, the amount of things that she's done in her life. like, Thank like, you, Jess. It, we've mentioned it before. Thank you very much, Jess. Yeah. She also threw out there Rhea Ripley. And yeah, it's 100 bits, of, Rhea Ripley. I'm yeah. kind of worried that Rhea Ripley would actually tear me apart. Like, she's intimidating in kind of a hot way. But <laughs> I'd rather go to a metal concert with Rhea than anything else. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. And with like, but again, with Oscar, we've mentioned on the show before. She's a fascinating lady. Absolutely. Like, if you read all the things that she's done and things that she's into, she is she is the definition of a Renaissance woman, and that's incredibly attractive, for sure. Um, she, I mean, and she's at the top of her game in wrestling, top of the world, uh, and and has so many other interests. And has done so many other things to a high level that it's absolutely breathtaking. So I yeah. totally agree with you, Jess. Oscar got to throw her in there. I'm trying to think if there were any more that we were supposed no. to do top five, and we're on like twenty at this point. All right, well, we just we've kind of just been rattling them off. That's true. Uh, it's for, it, it's hard understand. for me to make a top five. I mean, am I saying who I think is the prettiest or who I find personally the most attractive? That's two different things to me. And I think that's also very subjective to the individual. So I, it's it's hard. That's why I said I don't like doing this. It's it, it, all right. Eh. Well, we threw out a bunch of names. There you go. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you very much, Esme. Thank you. Uh, Uncle Greg next says, uh, good evening, gents. Hope all is well. Who's your favorite wrestler for their actual real-life personality? Uh, mm. I enjoy the podcasting boom as it has given a look at who so many of these men and women really are. Also makes you appreciate their acting range when the character is so far, so far from their in-ring persona. Edge. Yeah. Edge. Yeah. Edge seems like the freaking coolest guy. <laughs> and now podcast. he's a mountain man chopping wood in Asheville, North Carolina, in the mountains, <laughs> in the Appalachians. Right. Edge, oh. former, former Canadian uh, yeah. jokester, comedian on his podcast, wrestler, and now mountain man in the Appalachians and of North really Carolina. And really great dad, too, yeah. by the way. Super dad. Like, phenomenal dad, too. Um, and a good actor. Like, yeah, that's the first one that popped in my head was Edge just seems like the coolest freaking dude in real life. And I, I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. I've been watching more reality TV. <sighs> okay. And grain of salt here, guys. Uh-huh. Um, Esther and I binge-watched through all of the first season and the six episodes they were able to get out this year of Ms. and Mrs. Mike Mazanin, Cleveland boy, just seems like a lot of fun. I I would you I would love to hang out with that dude. The the on-screen charisma between him and Morrison makes me think in real life those are really really cool the guys and fun guys to hang out with. And seeing them and like I think it was Zach Ryder and maybe uh Kurt Hawkins all hanging out at uh Morrison's wedding. Like I bet that's a fun group of dudes. So it's it's basically so in, on the show he's got his friends circle and it's mostly Ziggler, Zack Ryder. Yeah. Oh, Ziggler uh, wasn't. Yeah. Sorry, uh, it was Ziggler. Not what's the uh, dude Nate that's uh, dating Alexa Bliss? Ryan Cabrera, the musician, right? Dating Alexa Bliss. He longtime friends with him. So it's kind of that Cle- uh, Johnny Gargano. I think he knows as well. The Cleveland boys are, are all tight. So yeah, it just uh, watching. And the interactions with him and Maurice and the way that he's a cool dad for Monroe and like that kind of stuff. But the things that he loves, like fantasy football and loud music and doing projects at the house, I'm, I'm just sitting here going, it's kind of like me. I, I kind of identify with that. So I don't know. I think I think the Miz would be. Uh, you love Miss and Mrs. Kyle? Good. It's, I, I was, we got really disappointed when we you got, got to March and they, and they stopped. Uh, taping it for the for the pandemic, so we'll see mm. if it comes back. It was yeah. it was really good. I we've, we're really enjoying it. So also Stone Cold, I got a lot more respect for him on his podcast. I used to think he was you know basically the character he played, which was you know redneck, and he's so much more than that. Yeah. So throwing out some love for some for some Stone Cold. Also yeah. you know, good beer. Yeah. Even though thanks Uncle Greg, it, but you know stuff. Uh, Marshall was not the last one today. Wow. Okay. Ooh. Marshall, good evening, gents. Going to concerts and enjoying the live experience is a big part of my life, and as mm. you know, that has been put on a hold. Oh, so God. To fill, so to fill the void, I want to hear your top few concerts mm. and who of those had the best live experience. Thanks for the continued content, and I'm extremely excited about the quick progress on Twitch. Me Same. Too. Thank, Thank you, Marshall. you, Marshall. Appreciate it. Uh, so I want to hear your top few concerts mm. and who of those had the best live experience nothing will ever beat pantera at the omni in 1995 <laughs> in atlanta it was one of my first metal shows i ever went to i was a uh i was a freshman in college it was later in the year so i that was my f- freshman semester of college and i, f- I flew down 
to go see it, and it was at the the old Omni. If you guys remember that, the Hawks used to play there. It's not there anymore. Um, it got torn down, and they built a new one. Let me put this in perspective for you. I, and I, I'm 17, 18 years old. Like I shouldn't have probably shouldn't have even been in the show, but I was there and I was terrified of the pit. So we sat up in like the arena seats on the, the mezzanine, like up above it. There were dudes mule kicking the plastic seats out of the concrete and like shot putting them down into the circle pit. Okay. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, this is like, top tier prime era Pantera 95 before the the downfall really started. This is the great Southern trend kill tour, which was the, the heaviest album I think that they did. And just with some of the craziest, craziest moshable songs, suicide note part two is going and there's dudes throwing chairs down into the mosh pit. Craziest concert I've ever been to. Nothing will ever top that. Uh, had a really good, I saw machine head on there an evening with tour, probably four times and it's a massive three hour show no opening acts it's just them it's it's one of those experiences that if you're a fan of the band you'll you'll it's it's amazing you can't see it enough and they're one of my favorite bands so those are mine easily my two favorite shows see i i I think what he's asking is different from the answer i'm going to give him and i'm i'm sorry for that marshall because i think what marshall's asking is like what was the best concert experience what band puts on like an absolutely crazy show um and for that, I mean, you know, if you get a chance to see Muse, um, they put on an absolutely just balls out live experience, huge. But they're, you know, everything's big, flaming lips the same way. But those aren't the concerts I like. I don't like big arenas where there's tens of thousands of people and I'm way up in the nosebleeds watching a couple of dots on the stage singing songs I can go listen to in the car. I like small sweaty environments where it's me and like a couple of hundred people at the most seeing uh, someone just absolutely blow it out on stage those are my favorites um sure yeah i saw um i saw a head cat at the key club lemmy and lemmy and stray cats nice um at the key club but i'm talking smaller than that i'm talking like echoplex 2009 um Nine Inch Nails farewell tour. Nine Inch Nails in a 200-person club playing stuff they've never played before live, or they hadn't at that point played before live in decades. Hmm. Um, they, they played uh, Somewhat Damaged, Something I Can Never Have, and Gary freaking Newman came out in the middle of the show. They played I Die, You Die, um, Metal, and Cars. I lost my damn mind. And I was, you know, two people from the stage. I was sweating so much, I literally had to take my my shirt off after the show and replace it because the shirt was just completely, it was, I could ring out, ring it out. Um, one of the sweatiest concerts I've ever been to. It was amazing. I saw Radiohead in a high school gymnasium in Eugene, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. Jesus, I'm going to get murdered for that. Um, in Eugene, maybe it was Salem. Um, one of those two, they were interchangeable <laughs> in, uh, they would have been 96, 95, 96, around there, um, somewhere on the bends, right before OK Computer hit, and they went, they got really big. Um, that was amazing. Uh, I prefer them in the smaller, intimate environments. Like that's where I like to see artists. And once you know, you have like a U2 going out there and playing these huge stadiums, or or Bruce Springsteen or Rolling Stones, right. Wembley or, or some shit, right? Yeah, I mean, I've I, 
Nine Inch Nails puts on an absolutely um, one of the best light shows you'll ever see if you go to see them. And usually they play the Palladium now when they come to LA. They've been to Vegas a few times and they play um, the either the Hard Rock, which is a great vi- environment to see them in, or they go to um, uh, the LA one on the Strip, which I'm forgetting the name of now. But the bottom line is they put on a, 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 my. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest on this. Nine Inch Nails I've seen more than any other band live. They're outstanding in no matter what environment. They're always going to get good sound. They're always going to have great lights. So I'll say Nine Inch Nails. Thinking about the smaller venues, the biggest bands, uh, there's two bands that I've seen that are that made it big, I guess you could say, quote unquote, sure. that I've seen on those small ones. One of them was Mushroom Head um, that had a couple of hits in the early 2000s. Sun doesn't rise anymore, whatever that yeah. was. But they kind of were slipknot knockoffs in a way. Yes, I, I remember um, them. Yep. But they were in a little, it was like 100 people in uh, Amos's someplace in Charlotte, right? And then the other one was August Burns Red. Amos's before, like their first nice. album, when they yeah. when they were first blowing up in Composure and stuff like uh, uh, Truth of a Liar and things like that, those big kind of songs. And I've, I haven't seen anybody command an audience like that. Their front man is able to command an audience and get the sing-alongs and things like that going. Um like he like they did in that show. That was one of the things that really stood from. But it was about 500 people. It was relatively small for for them. But yeah, seeing August Burns Red in a tiny little venue was telling you nothing beats a tiny venue. Really well, loud. My favorite. <laughs> my favorite. All right. Uh, thank you, Marshall. Let's cook. Two more to go. Uh, Kyle asks, uh, was short on time to think of questions, so I'll do something simple. Thank you. Yes. We call HBK <laughs> Mr. WrestleMania as the guy people think of when it's WrestleMania and stealing the show. So if you had to pick a wrestler you think of based on the work they did at that pay-per-view, who would be Mr. X for WWE's 12 pay-per-views since they oh, standardized geez. their... We got to name one for Whoa. every pay-per-view? Oh, yeah. I don't know if we have time to do that. We can, Maybe we can do the big four? Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I, well, I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura is Mr. Extreme Rules. <laughs> I don't know. Mr. Dick Punch. Called Brock Lesnar Mr. SummerSlam because he always wins SummerSlam when he's there. Well, I guess he lost last time, didn't I don't he? know. Becky Lynch kind of stole SummerSlam last year and launched her into... Who... <laughs> Who would be Mr. Survivor Series? I mean, who's who's had more teams win Survivor Series? It's going to be John Cena. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania. Becky Lynch is, is Ms. SummerSlam. Cena is Mr. Survivor Series. Who's Mr. or Mrs. Royal Rumble? I'm probably going to have to say Mr. Have Royal Rumble. Have we had Rumble. enough to have a Mrs. yet? We've only no. had two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So, who's Mr. Royal Rumble? I mean, Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to getting booed out of the building, maybe. Um, the, it has to be Stone Cold, doesn't it? He won three. Yeah, you got three. He's the only one to get three, I think. Yeah. Yep. And two of them were back-to-back, I believe. Yep. All three weren't back-to-back, weren't they? No. No, so. no it was two, uh, and then Van won one, and then Austin won the one, I think. Yep. I think um, one at one and then two later. Anyway, yes. Okay, so there you go. Austin's yeah. Mr. Royal Rumble. There you go. Or no, 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 no. I'm an idiot. Kane is Mr. Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. Kane's Mr. Royal Rumble. He's been or a, Braun like, now. Uh, no, I mean, he's tied and beat Kane. his record. Oh, for single eliminations, but not like longevity. Every like Kane was in every year. He was always like the top eliminator for how many? It's got to be Kane. 
It's got to be. It's got to be Kane. That's got to be Kane. Mr. Royal Rumble is Kane. That's <laughs> yes. the only answer. Uh, he says, second question, what do you see as this year's War Games matches now that we are three months away? Either Eesh. what you want to see or what you think they'll be for the women and men's matches. Uh, <laughs> the Robert Stone brand. <laughs> um, can no. you save that one till next week till we get past TakeOver 30? Because I think there's going to be some Good things change next Good Saturday. Point. Bring that um, one back as your second question next week, Kyle, because we're going to – that's yeah. TakeOver 30 will tell us more about that. Definitely is a little too early to call. TakeOver 30 is going to give us the a little bit of a better idea there. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think some things might flip around next next weekend. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. have to see yeah, um, might, what really happens. Might, shit might get weird. Yep. I think shit is going to get weird. Uh, finally, last but certainly not least, uh, Ms. Jess O'Connor. Hey, yeah. y'all. Sorry to be late. Give me some Nick booking. If Undisputed Eric Era does uh, break up. Uh, what happens with all their members? Where do you see Stronger Riley, Cole, and Fish going in their own ways from here in the longer run? Stay awesome, guys. Thanks for all you do. Everyone, do for everyone, not only here, but also in the Discord with some really awesome chats. Thank you, Jess. Thank, thank you, you for, very much, Thank Jess. you for being a part of that as yeah. well. Yeah, thanks for hanging on the chat right now. Um, uh, so basically, finish the prophecy of the undo. I think we spent a year building it up, and now we're spending a year tearing it down, basically. And you could really trace it all the way back to the Velveteen Dream Feud earlier this year, sort of the the beginnings of it that led to the the fall. Okay, Lee. but she's saying right. when they break up, where do right. they go? Right. Right. So at a certain point, we I think this is an interesting angle with Pat McAfee, where we're going to see we're seeing Adam just spiral. Right. I think it's always fun to just watch somebody spiral. Right. And uh, the other guys are sitting there looking around going, well, well, he's losing it. <laughs> so what are we going to do now? I think um, my fear with Red Dragon is Bobby Fish is getting up there and he's had several injuries and we're in a pandemic right now. And Kyler Riley with his with his with the diabetes uh, is not going to. So I don't know about Red Dragon. I think Roderick Strong could could go on. I don't know. He's one of those that I don't see ever see leaving WWE though either. So could he go on? He could go on to another company, or he could go to the main roster. This is we 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 were asked earlier like people that would do well outside of WWE. These four guys would dominate AEW. Obviously, oh, there's absolutely. history. There's history there with all of yeah. them. But these aren't guys who are going to be very successful in the main roster because size. And it's to the point where even Road Dog is coming out and just straight up saying it. Adam Cole would be the top champ of the company if he was carrying Cross's size. Like they're willing to say it. Yeah. Um, and I think all these guys, you know, you basically they go to the main roster, and you'd have Shorty R, uh, and then you know Shorty Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly would get lost somewhere in the mid card as like a striker that Vince is like, okay, he's cool, but he's weird, and he wouldn't get him. Yep. And then Adam Cole, you know, could sell ice to Eskimos, but at the same time, Vince is going to look at him and be like, you're a midget, get back to 205 Live. So where do they go from here? Man, I don't freaking know. I would love to see Kyle O'Reilly break off, turn face or heel, and go on a singles run. Uh, as you said, I think Fish is kind of fading into the background in a lot of ways. He's injury prone. He hasn't really like kind of jumped out beyond his in-ring ability um, the way that Kyle O'Reilly has, where he's really got his own character. And he's, really, he's, he's very charismatic and fun to watch. Roderick Strong has had a couple of different singles runs in NXT, both as face and heel, but he's kind of a utility guy. He's the definition of a good hand when he's not with Undisputed Era. So 
I don't know, man. Like these, all these four guys, I think are better off staying together. And that's the one reason why I think Undisputed Era might not break up is they really shouldn't. They're like New Day, where they're better than the sum of their parts. Mm. That's a good point. Um, so it's they're 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 better as the sum of their parts than the ind- as individuals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're stronger together because they're unified. Yeah, I mean, if we go back to Facey, Roboteric Strong, tell him, talking about his trailer park up. I know, it's your favorite, like that, right? favorite horse to beat in the street. Um, <laughs> again, if you brought all four of these guys up to the main roster together, they stand a chance. Yeah. Maybe, if they don't sanity them. But if they've split up in NXT, they need to stay in NXT. They'll get murdered on the main roster. I, I You know, it, it's probably a missed opportunity, but I, I did see an opportunity where Retribution could have been led by Undisputed Era. There is something to be said for that that would get them past that size issue where they're more of a mob. And the ones that we've seen of Retribution so far haven't exactly been the largest folks. No. Uh, they've mostly been you know, lanky skittering types that are all over the place, and that works because you can be a, a mob and moving around and being much more disruptive. So I... Maybe it's, I don't know if it is them. Maybe we're going to wait until they do break up. I don't know. We don't know. What I do know is Costanza78 just subscribed with a tier one sub. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think that's Chris. I think it's Chris. I'm not sure. Thank you regardless. Thank you regardless. Absolutely. Um, Appreciate it. Um, Yeah, I I don't really know. And that's why I'm saying, like, I want to see what happens at TakeOver. What do they end up doing with this McAfee-Adam Cole angle? Mm-hmm. What is, how do the other three react to whatever that outcome is? That's going to be that's going to be interesting. And Another one with like wait and see after Takeover Thirty. Yeah. Then we'll figure out what to do with Undisputed Era. You know, it, 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 whether they're if they're breaking up. All right, we're forced to think. Okay, where are they going to end up based on their alignments as they leave Takeover? If they're still together. Then, as Kyle says in chat, we've got to wait till War Games. And Kyle thinks it's going to be the beginning of the end of UE at War Games. And there's something to be said for that. But again, they could start building a they could start building a undisputed era internal turmoil feud that culminates at War Games. Possible too. So there you go. Yep. Well, there we go, guys. A long, big, beefy Mm. patron mailbag today for you. For your ear holes and your eye holes here if you're on Twitch or watching the VOD later. Thank you guys so much for hanging in there with us all day today. This has been a blast. Uh, It's kind of a warm-up for what we've got to look forward to next weekend. Oh, no. We've got to do our main show, the patron mailbag. We've got AEW Dynamite on Saturday, TakeOver 30, and then we're going to do our recap of TakeOver 30. (laughs) That night, and then we got to watch SummerSlam the next night, and then we got a SummerSlam recap, and then Monday we got to do a show that recaps AEW, and then I think... I don't know how we're going to do that yet. Maybe we'll do it on the Tuesday show. We'll fold AEW into the Probably Tuesday show. Probably just Tuesday show, yeah. And then the week after that, we got payback. Do it all over again. <sighs> Madness. Marathon impending. Be ready. Yeah. Prepare, prepare your buttholes. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for My hanging in there so much prepared. today, guys. Yours? 13 subs today. Thank you guys so much for Rock. all of that. Thank you. Thousands of bits. Thank you, guys. I, learned, I got some things to fix with all the alerts. Kyle, thank you for the heads up. 
uh, and lots of other things. Uh, but first run today, really good, except for Retribution breaking the stream a couple of times. So, I'm on that, though. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm figuring out ways around them more and more. But, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. Get into the Discord. Be ready for next weekend. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. Make sure you get into the Facebook discussion group and like our page over there. Subscribe to us over on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open for episodes of BWO Daily Monday through Friday all throughout the week. Uh, and last but certainly not least, the namesake of this very show, the patron mailbag, our patrons. Thank you guys so much for showing up every single week uh, and every month, uh, helping us keep this show running, giving us questions to answer and fun segments like this to do. Uh, but if you'd like to get in on some of those, head over to patreon.com slash BWO uh, and sign up for that $5 tier so that you can be in the BWO patron pick'ems challenge for SummerSlam and TakeOver next weekend. Are you trying to sneak in? I'm trying to say something really quick. Are we raiding today? Uh, we can, but I'm I'm looking at the clock. Like we. Oh, okay. Just yeah. making sure. Uh, I can while you're saying something. If, I gotta, uh, yeah. If yeah. if y'all don't know what I mean by raiding, head on over to Twitch. Watch us on the live stream. We go and raid somebody after the show, and it's a lot yeah. of fun. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on and uh, and see who's logged in. But uh, we'll do that. Don't go anywhere. We're gonna play the outro stuff, and then we'll we'll jump back on. So hell yeah. Uh, hang tight. Um, yes, patrons, thank you guys. If you'd like to get in on some of that, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. There's a whole back catalog of bonus episodes as soon as you sign up at the $10 tier. Uh, Skype calls and more up above as well. Uh, all kinds of stuff over there at patreon.com slash BWO. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.